Ryder and Nystrom. Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. This is Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box, your source for Islanders Enforcer Talk. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. So welcome to episode 69. Now, if my youngest son Dominic were here, he'd look at me, give me a nod, and say nice. This is episode 69, actual episode 91. And uh, for those of you who have not listened from the beginning, the reason why I I have the uh, episode number and then the actual number, uh, I've had a few questions about that, and the answer is simple. Um, What I should have done right from the beginning is when I do these extended episodes where I break them up and, uh, you know, I have part one, part two, part three, or in the case of Trevor Gillies, where it becomes, like I said, if encyclopedias because he's such a good guest, um... I should have numbered those episodes separately. So, um, you know, for example, the first episode I did was with Dean Ewan, and I broke those up. I broke that up into two episodes, and it really should have been episode one and episode two. Uh, and then when I did the three-parter with Mick Vakoda, uh, that should have just been episode one, two, three, like consecutively, whatever the numbers would have been. But instead, I kept it at episode one, part one, part two. Uh, not really looking ahead to the fact that I'm going to have episode 69 here and uh it's going to say number 91 on uh on some of the platforms so that's why i uh that's why i am doing this specifically because you know everyone likes the round numbers and when i eventually get to episode 100 it'll be pretty cool even if it's number 77 let's say but that's where the discrepancy comes in and i think it uh I'm already past the point of no return as far as going back and renumbering the episodes. I don't think that's going to happen. So, episode 69 is upon you, actual episode 91. And this is the State of the Dictatorship Address. I have uh, referred to the show as a dictatorship. I am the host. I am the producer. I am the guy who gets the guests, although I guess that falls under producer duties. Um... This is a one-man operation here. So, yes, it is a dictatorship. I make the rules. I always get uh, some guests that – how do I always get some guests? I get some guests who say, can I do this? Can I do that? Is it okay if I say this? Can – you know, and I say, I'm the dictator here. I make the rules, and there are no rules. So uh, that's why this is a dictatorship. So this is the state of the dictatorship address. Now – If you're on social media, I am on the major platforms, although I don't know, there might be some um, some of the young people platforms that I am not on. But I'm on the the, um, I guess the hits 
Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. On Twitter, the podcast account is at Kali Sinbin Pod. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles Podcast. And on Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore Podcast. Uh, I've made reference to the fact that I'm not really going to pump up the uh, the merchandise anymore. And that really is, uh, it, it is true. Uh, I'm going to run a uh, listener exclusive discount until uh, New Year's Day. Um, you've heard me talk about the merchandise now for probably a good year and a half or however long I've had it out. And, um, you know, it's not, uh, it's not doing as well as I had hoped. Although I really, I shouldn't really say that. I didn't know what to expect. And um, maybe this is what I expected. Uh, so basically, uh, I will remind people that there is a link to the merchandise uh, very uh, shortly below, shortly under the episode description of this very episode that you are listening to. And uh, if you're interested, click those links. And as a listener, you get the listener exclusive discount. And uh, that discount will be holidays 20 H O L I D A Y S two zero. And that code will expire on January 1st. So that's good for uh, the next five and a half, six weeks, uh, whatever it ends up being, but uh, feel free to click on the link the links actually, and uh, use that code holidays 20 for 20% off every single item that you throw in that cart and end up purchasing. One thing I will not stop doing is promoting the artist who drew the logo. And that artist is Joe Marisich. He's a local Long Island artist. Uh, check out Joe's stuff on his social media and his Twitter account is at graphics joker. You can also reach Joe at, um, at loudegg.com. Uh, Joe does more than tunes. He's uh, he's extremely talented, and uh, if you have an art need to be done, uh, Joe is your man. So definitely reach out to Joe at GraphicsJoker or LoudEgg.com. So uh, Fourth Line Voice Podcast, Darren uh, up in Saskatoon. Congratulations, Darren, on selling the condo and moving into your house. Uh, I have not been fortunate enough to ever purchase a house. Maybe one day I will. Uh, but I'm really happy that, uh, you got the giant monkey off your back and you're moving into the house now. So uh, I know Darren's episodes, uh, might be, uh, not as frequent. Normally he's, uh, two episodes a week. Uh, he's a proud member of the hockey podcast network, two episodes a week, Sunday shit show and the Wednesday interviews. I know, uh, I mean, if anyone has moved, you know what an undertaking that is. So Darren may not have uh, his two episodes weekly for the next couple of weeks. And I think uh, everyone can understand that. But uh, his last episode was a solo episode with numerous topics. Uh, the one I chuckled at the most was the uh, somebody did a top 10 all-times Bruin enforcer list. Um, there were some names on there. I mean, there's one glaring omission in there, and he actually makes mention of it in the uh, beginning of the article. And then, of course, there's uh, <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to give it away, but uh, there's someone in the top ten that does not deserve to be anywhere near the top ten 
And uh, as Islander fans, you could probably guess who that is. But uh, but Darren, of course, uh, he breaks down the list and uh, puts in his opinions, and it's a fun listen. But there's uh, there's other stuff in there too. Talks about Ryan Reeves. Uh, I really enjoy Darren's solo episodes. Uh, I'm not a fan of my own solo episodes, but uh, but I think Darren does a good job. And even though a lot of you people have uh, have told me that you enjoy uh, my solo episodes, I personally am not a big fan of of these solo episodes but darren i think does a great job so check out the fourth line voice podcast and use this downtime in darren's life well he doesn't have downtime in his life he has a downtime in the podcast portion of his life because he's doing uh uh the moving but use this downtime to check out his back catalog it is uh it is extensive and it is uh absolutely brilliant so check out the fourth line point fourth line voice fourth line voice podcast also check out the fourth line voice youtube channel uh, i believe he has over 2600 fights on that channel and i know once he's moved in he has plans to do uh, a major upload so uh it'll be 3000 before you know it so you may as well start get caught up on all the fights on the fourth line voice youtube channel because you know and i know if you've ever watched a hockey fight on youtube chances are it's on the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. And big doings this week down in Florida with Alec Olin Salen, the host of the Five for Fighting podcast. I would like to say congratulations to Alec. Alec signed a deal for the Five for Fighting podcast with six pack coverage. Uh, I believe that is a relatively new media group. I guess they're signing on shows and uh, maybe other media mediums. Uh, but Alec, uh, I guess they reached out to Alec. They signed a deal. So, uh, just as Darren is on the hockey podcast network, Alec and the five for fighting podcast will now be a part of six pack coverage. So congratulations, young man. Uh, you definitely earned it and, uh, and they have a good one. So I hope they appreciate what they have and, and hopefully, uh, you know, it just blows up and, uh, and things are just fantastic and i hope you have a long and prosperous relationship with six-pack coverage uh alex's latest episode was with florida everblade uh nico blackman uh it was a very good episode and i know between our shows we don't get too many current players uh i had yannick turcott and mike cornell uh i believe that nico was alex's first current player that he's interviewed so uh most of the time when you listen to uh our three shows you're getting the perspective of retired retired players but uh sometimes it's good to get some new blood in there and and it's good to to get the opinion of players who might have fit in well in other eras and now they're playing in an era that really is not uh welcoming to them and they re- and an era that really doesn't appreciate uh the style that they bring so uh, so the nico interview was excellent uh also Sign up for the Enforcer Appreciation page on Facebook. One of the biggest, uh, I guess, hockey fight pages on Facebook. I didn't realize just how big some of the other ones were until uh, Darren interviewed William from uh, Winnipeg. And they were talking about some of the other groups and the members that they have. I, I just, I never bothered to look at how many members are in these groups. But uh Sign up for the Enforcer Appreciation Group. Alec does a lot of live episodes there on Friday nights. And, uh, you know, so you could watch the episodes live or you can do what I usually do and just listen to them the following week in podcast form. 
So uh, to summarize, podcasts that I wish you would check out if you have not already, Fourth Line Voice podcast and the Five for Fighting podcast, check out the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel and the Enforcer Appreciation page on Facebook. You will not be disappointed, and I would not mislead you. I promise you that. So now we move on to the 2021-22 Islanders slash Bridgeport Sound Tigers fight report. Since my last episode, excuse me, we have one new entry on the Bridgeport side. It is the uh, sixth regular season fight, seventh overall. For the Bridgeport Islanders, I really have to think hard to not say Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Uh, but it was Seth Helgeson, who is now tied for the team lead with Reese Newkirk. Seth Helgeson had a fight with Tyler Tucker. That is also Tyler Tucker's second fight against Bridgeport this year. He fought Andy Andreoff back in uh, October. So uh, Helgeson versus Tyler Tucker on November 21st became the seventh overall fight and the sixth regular season fight for Bridgeport. And since my last report on the Islanders, uh, they've been pretty active. On November 6th, Scott Mayfield recorded his first bout of the season with Adam Lowry of Winnipeg. Uh, Then a week later, a little over a week later, we had two fights. You had uh, Zdeno Chara recording his first fight in his return to the Islanders against uh, the big rig Pat Maroon of Tampa. Later in that game, not much of a scrap, but uh, but they count. Brock Nelson recorded his first fight of the year against Anthony Sorelli. And then the next night, Kyle Palmieri recorded his first fight against one of the people that uh, I currently hate the most in the league, and that's Radko Gudis of the Panthers. So you are now all caught up with the Islanders slash Bridgeport fight report. Hopefully I will be uh, bringing you more fights for the next episode. Although the way, well, we're going to, let's just get into that. Okay. Let's, let's start here. So um, not a lot of fight info for the remainder of the episode, there's going to be uh, going to be some, I mean, I have to talk about the opening of the new arena. So UBS arena opened up uh, over the weekend. Uh, the place is a palace and um, it is unbelievable from the outside. The architecture is just insane. I mean, I'm going basically by looks. I don't know exactly what goes into the actual nuts and bolts of the architecture, but um it's a beautiful, beautiful arena. It looks like you could pick up the Coliseum and drop it right in the middle. It is a giant, giant arena. It's massive, and it is absolutely stunning. From the outside, you can get a good view of it uh, if you drive on the Cross Island Parkway. And, and just being up close to it, it is it is unbelievable. It's, uh, you, you know, you'd like to say it was worth the wait, but, you know, over... Th- over the course of the years being an Islander fan, uh, there were some tenuous times. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you go, you know, talk about the Brooklyn thing and you talk about every every so often you're hearing about the team moving potentially to Kansas City or to Quebec. It, it was, uh, there were some tenuous times. But um, now that it's here, you can say it was worth the wait, I guess. But, uh, 
but the arena is absolutely stunning. Uh, and I don't know if I've heard this yet, but I really would like to, um, and I hate shout out, oh, give a shout out. I hate that phrase, but I would like to compliment the construction workers because um, Andrea and I had a tour of the arena. I, I'm not sure, maybe a month before, five or six weeks before. And I mean, the first thing and Andrea said it probably five times while we were there and on the ride home, I can't see how that place is going to be ready for opening night. And uh, me being the eternal optimist, I said, you know, it's, it's gotta be. And just knowing uh, what's at stake, say for, uh, for the ownership and for Lula Amarillo and, and everybody with the Islanders, I just, the, uh, the positive thinker in me said, there's no way it can't be open. But I think the realist in me was like, She's got a point because it. I don't know how this arena is going to get done before opening night, but um, apparently the construction workers worked, uh, I, I guess they were doing, they may have worked 24 hours uh, in shifts, I guess, like just weeks at a time. Uh, and I'd like to really just point out what a great job that they did because like I said, there were times where it didn't look like this was going to be done and the construction workers really broke their asses to get this arena done. So I'd like to compliment them. Not that any of them listen, I'm sure. But um, as far as this arena getting built, uh, I mean, let's be honest, we've all been on highways that we travel frequently with construction. And um, we know that a lot of times you see a lot of those city workers or county workers or town workers, uh, you know, they're working at a certain speed and you know what? Hey, you know, so be it that that's what they do and that's fine. But this arena really, it had a deadline and these, the guys and the gals uh, working on the uh, arena, they really, really, you know, broke their ass and got this done. So I'd like to really, uh, just compliment the the construction workers who who really broke their ass to get this arena done, and I think they need to be uh, they need to be recognized. So, for whatever it's worth, me me pointing out the job they did is uh, is amazing. So, the arena is absolutely beautiful. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not done yet because uh, there. I mean the the struct structurally, it's done. But when you walk around, there's a lot of plain white walls, um, which I could definitely see them adding pictures to or something else where, you know, you're not going to be walking around and just seeing the white walls. The concourses are gigantic. Um, they are just probably two or three times the size of the concourses at the Coliseum, maybe two. I mean, in my head right now, it's they seem bigger, but... When there's nobody in the concourses, the concourses are a good size at the Coliseum. Um, so maybe two to two to three two to three sizes bigger than the Coliseum. I don't know, um, but a lot of the walls that they have they have banner you know um, giant pictures on the walls of Al Arbor and Bill Torrey and uh, uh, Potvin and Goring and Nystrom. You know the cup stuff. Um, you know they have big sign that says "Welcome Home." Really, really nice stuff on these walls here, but there are a lot of walls that are blank. And that's, that's what leads me to believe that I don't think that part of it is done yet, but that stuff you can always add on. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't affect anything as far as opening the venue. So I would be surprised if that stuff isn't added later, um, you know, off days, whatever it is. Um, I, that's something I'll definitely be looking for, but 
my God, that arena is unbelievable. And of course now, opening night was uh, crazy. It was crazy. I mean, we were lucky. We left early and we parked. Uh, we, we hung out in the car for a little bit. Then we get to the arena. Um, they said the doors were not opening, I believe, until 5. And they held true to that. Uh, hundreds of people outside. It was a little chilly. Uh, but then they opened it, but the, everyone got in. I mean, they, they, uh, fortunately the turnstiles and I use that term loosely, they weren't actually turnstiles, uh, were not right by the door. So, uh, just a, a multitude of people could go in at one time. So that really made the line go quick once you got, so at least you're inside in the lobby and, um, just as you walk in, it, it, it's just absolutely stunning. So, I would urge anyone that has the opportunity to get to a game there to please do so because it really will absolutely blow your mind. But as as I was saying after the game, of course, on social media, you always have the people that are going to complain about things. And it, it was really unbelievable. To I didn't read it. As we were on our way home and after the game, Andrea was scrolling through Twitter and reading the different complaints that people had. And it really is just unbelievable. And I'm not saying you have to take it and just think it's beautiful and not have minor objections. I mean, let's be honest. It was opening night. It was the first game of the season in a new building. There are going to be things that are going to be a work in progress. I get that. And I think if you don't understand that, I think you have rocks in your head. Um, so, of course, there were going to be things that needed improvements. They needed to get the building open. And, uh, I, mean, I mean, just people complaining about everything. Now, I will say uh, there were two things that I wasn't happy with, but I wouldn't – I mean, it's to be expected. So, um, you sort of roll with it. Uh, the first thing was the lines for the team store were epic. And, uh, I mean, it was – just unbelievable so good for the islanders because they had to make a gold mine that night everybody wanted to get into the team store uh from the outside looks absolutely beautiful tons of really cool merchandise and um I, my recommendation to people going would be um get there when the doors open and get online for the team store or you might have to sacrifice watching some of the game because uh, before the game and after the game, the lines for the team store are tremendous. The one piece of advice I would give the Islanders, who, of course, do not listen to the program, uh, maybe maybe have hours for the team store to be open on non-game days, uh, even if it's a small window, maybe a five, six-hour window. Uh, I don't know if there's an entrance to get in from the outside, but... Uh, that might have been something, if there isn't, that they would have thought of because the, they're going to make money no matter what. And um, I think to have the team store open only on game days, that's why you have this this mad rush of people trying to get in. So maybe they should have it open even once or twice a week on non-game days. Just try to figure that out. Again, I don't know if there's a door from the outside. That's one thing I would I would recommend to rectify the lines because I honestly don't see the lines getting smaller anytime soon because every game you're going to have a new batch of fans going for the first time. So that's my advice. But again, and I didn't like it, but I wasn't about to bitch about it on social media because again, 
you have to expect certain things. The second thing was the parking. Now, going in, the parking was fine. We got there early. The parking was fine. Getting out, the parking attendant's only job, it seems like, that night was to get you out of the parking lot. They did not want to hear which road you needed, which direction you needed. They just wanted you out. And they were very little help in terms of directing other traffic. So we had to go one direction uh, and we didn't get the opportunity to go there. They could have very easily let us go. We had to make a right. They made us make a left. Again, it's all going to come with experience. I don't know. I mean, again, it was the first night for everybody. So it was a minor inconvenience. And, And again, you know, Three years from now, if I have to do the same thing, yeah, I'm going to be pissed. But for opening night, you got to let some shit go, folks. You just, on the first night of a game in a brand new arena, you got to let some shit go. And uh, those were my two biggest uh, issues. And like I said, I don't think either one of them were a very big issue. But uh, you people have to get out to that arena. It is absolutely incredible. So the the big news with the Islanders over the last couple of weeks is COVID. Now, this is funny because every single person, I believe every single person in the organization, not just the players, has to be vaccinated to work for the New York Islanders. So I'm not going to get into a whole vaccine thing. As you well know, if you're a regular listener, My whole family is vaccinated, and my whole family did not want to get vaccinated, but we had to do it for work and for school. The Islanders have been adamant that you must be vaccinated to play for this team or work for the organization. There was one player who did not want to be vaccinated. That is Bodie Wild, who is playing in Europe this year. So there are many players vaccinated on the Islanders who currently have COVID. Do you know who doesn't have COVID right now? Bodie Wild. But that's another conversation. Let's stick to the... T- focus, Joe. Focus. So the Islanders now have been struck by COVID big time. Big time. So at the moment right now, Josh Bailey, Anders Lee, Pellick, Green, Ross Johnston, Bellows, Chara, all out in covid protocol and from my from what i've been led to believe all are asymptomatic josh bailey is still in florida so you have seven players out with covid and now you have two also two injuries pulak and nelson out with injuries so now that's nine guys and let's just say seven regulars are out with covid or injuries. So what happens now? You have to call up a good portion of the Bridgeport Islanders. But let's let let's think about this for a second. All you hear from the NHL, player safety, player safety. We have to think about our players. We have player safety. They even have a Twitter account, player safety. And you have seven Islanders right now out in COVID protocol. But apparently, seven is not enough to postpone any games, but you care about your players. So now you have seven guys out of COVID protocol out within COVID protocol, I should say. But now what's to say that the other Islanders 
aren't carrying COVID. And maybe they just haven't tested positive yet. So now you still want them to play games. And against your big team, they have two games in the next five days against the NHL's beloved New York Rangers. They play them tonight and they play them Sunday. But it's okay. You know, again, the, the NHL really needs to get their shit together with this. I think it was Ottawa. They they uh, uh, postponed some games because they had 10. And at this point, what the fuck is the difference between 7 and 10? And yes, I get it. It's 3, obviously, before someone wants to tweet at me. Yes, it's 3. But you have seven guys that tested positive. I mean, it's just the, the fact that they will not reschedule these games is absolutely idiotic in my mind. But I digress. So now they're not going to reschedule the games. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know how the Rangers or the Penguins are not making a bigger stink about this. To, to be honest with you, I if I were the Rangers, I'd be pretty pissed right now because in the next five days, I'm playing an organization and a team that has absolutely been ravaged by COVID. I don't want my players getting sick. Pittsburgh, they play Pittsburgh on Friday. Same thing. I, I'm surprised these teams, and maybe they have been just not out in the media. Maybe undercover they have been uh, chirping in the league's ear. I don't know, but it's absolutely unfathomable, to be honest with you, to think that in a few hours I'm going to be at UBS tonight watching the uh, Bridgeport Islanders play the Rangers. It's it's just mind-boggling to me. Um, but let's, uh, let's talk about some of the positives from this COVID situation. So opening night, Islanders had five call-ups from Bridgeport, and, and three of them really stood out. Um, Robin Sallow, the young defenseman who had a tremendous camp, I believe he was the last cut, um, tremendous game. I think he, I don't want to say he took a step back on Sunday against Toronto uh, because I don't think he did. I just think he was, he had such a good game on Saturday. And I think again on Sunday, he had a good game. The guy that really impressed me, believe it or not, in, in, uh, on the opener, and it's so funny because I guess people just watch things differently and, and people were actually bitching about this guy on social media. I can't fucking believe it. Uh, Richard Ponick, a guy you're never really going to hear me ever talk about on this show, played his ass off. Played his ass off. I mean, the only thing I don't like about Richard Ponick, and it's not his fault, is that he's wearing number 16. I wish the Islanders and Pat LaFontaine could finally get together and say we're going to retire this number because number 16 deserves to be retired. So, But people complaining about Richard Ponick, a Bridgeport call-up, are just idiots. I'm sorry. Maybe sometimes I'm a little too uh, hard on some of my fan Islander fan brethren and sisterthen, whatever you call the ladies. But uh, what the fuck do you expect from this guy? And this guy worked his fucking bag off on every shift. How did you not notice that? But again, I I, I mean. The other guy I want to talk about is uh, Andy Andreoff. I didn't know he was called up until we got to the game, actually. And uh, when I saw him skating in the warm-up, I was pretty pumped about that. So um, three of the five call-ups, and I'm not – it's not that I don't want to talk about the other two guys, but Salo and Ponick really impressed me. Uh, Andreoff impressed me. But, again, I'm already a fan of that guy, so I was pretty pumped that he got called up. And um, uh, they're going to – I'm sure they're going to be in the lineup tonight because uh, with uh, – Chara going into COVID protocol. They called up Thomas Hickey. 
Uh, and uh, also called up was uh, Golashev, who apparently is having a very good season down in Bridgeport. Uh, small guy, but uh, I guess we'll find out what happens. Tonight's game and uh, through the weekend are going to be very interesting to see uh, to see what uh, what happens with this organization. And uh, again, like I just can't say it enough. I'm just so surprised that the NHL has not postponed these games. Uh, but maybe I shouldn't be. You know, I, I, I don't. I, listen, I get it. Business runs this country. The almighty dollar is what matters. But uh, you're you're going to make money on these games. You're going to make money on the games and parking anyway. Whenever you play them, um, and and this year, more than any year. You can postpone these games. And I have a solution, which I'm sure you have thought of, and I'm sure a lot of people have thought of. You have a built-in break in February for the Olympics. Fuck the Olympics. What The NHL should really worry about the league games that are scheduled. And the league games should take priority over the Olympics. Which, by the way, if you haven't noticed, you know where the Olympics are this year? China. China. I guess the only thing that would make the China Olympics worse is if they had the rink in Wuhan. Okay? I know we're not supposed to remind people that this virus started in China, started in Wuhan. I know we're not supposed to do that because we're going to hurt some feelings. But the Olympics are in China. Okay? Where this whole fucking thing started. And the NHL is so set on sending these players to China for the Olympics. You have, what is it, a three-week window in February where you have zero league games scheduled. Fuck the Olympics this year. These teams like the Islanders that are getting crushed with COVID reschedule their games. Say, hey, China, sorry. We're not sending our players over this year. And you know what? It's your fault anyway. Play, reschedule these games for February during the Olympic break. Why is that so fucking difficult? Again, I'm sure it has to do with dollars. Everything in this world now has to do with dollars. But you know what? You can't say on one hand you care about your players. And then on the other hand, put them at risk for as much of a risk as you as an individual think COVID is. It may not be a risk to the athlete. It may be a risk to one of their parents or their children or whatever it is. However, you as the individual deem COVID, whatever level risk you deem COVID as, whether you deem it as a major risk or a minor risk, the fact is it is still an illness. And if it affects the wrong person, it could be fatal. So the NHL, Really short-sighted here. I don't care about NHL players in the Olympics. I think that, and and I'm sure a lot of you people agree with me, the thing that made the 1980 Olympic team so special is because they were amateur players beating guys like, you know, obviously I think a lot of people mistaken that they beat the Red Army or the Russian team for the gold medal, and it it was the game before the gold medal game, but that Russian team was a powerhouse, and they they were beaten by U.S. amateurs, and I think that's what made that team so special, where now you want to send over the NHL players, and I, I get it in a normal year, but you have these teams now, and it's only November. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, December, 
January. You don't know if any other teams, and hey, you never know. Keep an eye out on the Rangers. Keep an eye out for the Penguins now going forward, playing these games against the Islanders. You have a window in February to make up these fucking games. Forget the Olympics. Just tell them now. We're not coming. You started this shit, and now we're not coming. We have to take care of our own league and our own schedule. Reschedule these fucking games. Of course, again, just like nobody from the Islanders listens to this podcast, I know nobody from the NHL is listening to this podcast, but if they were, that would be my solution to this COVID situation. So, (sighs) let me get a breath. All right. So that is the hockey portion of this podcast. Now we're going to go to the state of the dictatorship. So if you don't want to hear this, I, uh, you know, stop playing and and listen to a a bigger show, I guess. But uh, I'm going to try to make this as painless as possible for everybody. So as you know, whether actually whether you listen to this show or you listen to Fourth Line Voice, as you know, I am back at work, uh, finally able to work again. I live in the, uh, in the probably, I mean, I can't imagine there's a worse state in the country right now, as far as being afraid of this shit, maybe California, I don't know. Uh, but being in New York, um, you know, we had, uh, the former governor, the, the guy who couldn't keep his hands to himself. And you couple that with the mayor of the city who has to be the worst mayor in the history of the world. Uh, close everything, keep it closed, fuck everybody except themselves. Um, But I am back at work. I've been back at work about six weeks. And um, I've said it a million times, so I'm sorry. And I I probably am going to repeat myself a little bit uh, for the next few minutes. But uh, for those of you who haven't listened, uh, I was out of work for 18 months, I guess 17 months. And um, it was really uh, a dark time for me. Um, I, I promise you, I mean, I, I was not diagnosed clinically depressed because I didn't get it checked out. But you know yourself. And um, and that 18, 17, 18 months was fraught with depression, anxiety, and it was a tough time. You know, it, it really was. Thank God that my wife uh, did not miss a day of work. Her, her business stayed open. She was able to work from home. And, uh, that really took a lot of the, the pressure off me. Um, because if she would have been out of work, I don't, I honestly don't know what we would have done. It would have been an absolute, uh, just disaster. And, and it's not, I'm not saying that for dramatic effect. If we were both out of work, it would have been catastrophic. So my wife working really helped, but I started working when I was 16. And actually, I think when I was, um, 11 or 12, I actually had a job uh, at the uh, Wonder Bread store around the corner where I lived in Maspeth, where we would stock the shelves and everything. And we wouldn't get paid. They'd pay us in like bread and cupcakes and all that other stuff. It was it was fun. It was a fun job. And you actually felt like you were contributing. And, and we did that for a few months, I think. But uh, um, I've been working since I'm 16. And uh, I am um, very old fashioned. I am the, uh, the patriarch of this family. And I, I take that uh, role very seriously. And when I'm not supporting the family, uh, that affects me. And, and it was a really dark time, maybe not so in the beginning. Uh, but as, as we went on and we went on, um, it was horrible. And, um, physically I let myself go. Um, I'm in the worst shape of my life right now, physically. 
Um, mentally, it was a struggle. It absolutely was a struggle, not knowing when you're going back to work, uh, not knowing how the bills are going to be paid. It was uh, it was torture, and um, it was rough. And I, I've said it a thousand times. Doing this show was a godsend because there were portions of weeks of portions of days and portions of weeks where I was doing research for the interviews that really distracted me. So maybe right now I'll take the time to thank everybody who appeared on the show because the fact that I asked you to appear and you said yes, and you actually showed up and we had our chat uh, really helped me out, helped me out psychologically because it gave me that distraction that I so desperately needed. So um, to all my guests, Thank you very much. Um, I had a lot of guests thank me for uh, helping them tell their stories or helping them reconnect with old teammates. And and that was very humbling. But really, um, to everybody who's appeared on the show, you helped me more than I could ever help you. And you helped me more than I could ever thank you for. So, um, so yeah, it was tough. It, so thank you to the guests that have appeared. Uh, the last 17 months were were a nightmare. And I'm glad, at least for the foreseeable future, it's over. I I had a hunch, and the reason why I won't I, I won't put myself in the in the category of people who struggle with mental illness is because I have loved ones who struggle with mental illness. And I had a suspicion that once I started working again, I would kind of get back to myself, get back to being myself. And I've been back at work six weeks now and and I feel myself coming back to being myself where people that struggle with mental illness, you never feel right. And I, I would never compare myself to those people because they will go through the rest of their lives with these feelings where I'll have the normal feelings of, you know, worrying about, you know, the everyday stuff. So maybe for a year and a half, I struggled with it, but since I've been back at work, uh, I kind of feel re-energized and I feel more like myself. So, um, but, but I got a glimpse behind the curtain, uh, of people that do suffer from mental illness and it really sucks. And it, um, you know, my heart goes out to everybody. I've said it before. I have people in my family that I love that, that struggle with it. And, uh, to get an inside view of that is, is, is an absolutely horrible thing. So, uh, so I support anyone that's going through any sort of mental illness. Um, and, and my respect for those people is why I would never, ever really say that uh, I'm suffering through it because as I've already said, you know, being back at work, I kind of feel like I'm getting back to my old self. So, um, as far as the individual, as far as myself, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting back to where I need to be. Um, feel like that uh, the the irony in all this is that I was out of work for 17 months and I didn't ever once feel like getting off my ass and going to the gym or doing whatever. I just felt miserable. And now that I'm back at work and I'm getting back to being myself, I have so much less time, but now I want to do those things again. So um, so that's, that's the irony in it. So I have to, uh, I have to really now really schedule my days because I don't have all the time in the world, which kind of brings me to the show. And, um, it's something that I've talked about 
in the past. It's something that Darren and Alec have talked about on their shows. And um, now it's, for me, uh, it's more important than ever. And it's about getting guests on the show. Um, I have a list, I have a list on my computer of guests that would be, that I would be interested in getting on the show. And it's a, it's a a long list of guys and it's not, it's some guys would never happen. Uh, but I put them on there just because I don't ever want to forget. But at the bottom of the list, I now have a list of people who have ghosted me. And those are people that have said they would come on the show. Um, I did the research. And again, I don't, I know you're probably sick of hearing this, but when I do research for an interview, um, you're looking at about, I, I, I will say most of them are double digit hours of research between video and uh, f- searching for articles and um, just different things, digging, um, getting in touch with former uh, teammates or coaches. Um, you know, I, I don't want to leave any unturned stones and I, I know that's not really possible, but um, as many, as few unturned stones as possible is really the goal of every interview. So when I, when I ask someone to come on and they say they'll come on and I put in the effort and I, and I do the research for the interview and then, um, I can't get an answer back. It is extremely frustrating. And the players that I ask to come on are doing me a favor. And I, I understand that a hundred percent. But if you don't want to do the show, please, when I ask you to come on, just tell me no. I have another list of guys who have said no. And it's not a problem. Listen, I understand where I slot in in the podcast world. <laughs> I Like I always say, Biz and Joe Rogan, they're not looking over their shoulders at me. I completely understand my station in the podcast world. I get it. I don't even need a reason. If I ask you, Hey, do you think you'd want to come on the show and you don't want to do it? I don't even need a reason. Everyone that has said no to me has given a reason. And most of the guys who have said no, uh, have the reason is they're still involved in the game at some point. And most of them are, are either with an NHL club or doing stuff for the league. And, they're just worried about saying the wrong thing. And you know what? In today's world, I completely understand that. Completely understand that because there are just people who live their lives trying to circle everything like sharks, waiting for someone to not slip up, to not make a mistake, but say something that they can twist and make it sound like something that the uh, person never intended it to be. So when I ask a player to come on and they say, look, I'm still doing work with this. I'm still involved in this. Uh, you know, maybe when I'm done, I completely get it. A hundred percent. I get it. I respect you for answering me. And again, I don't need an explanation. You could, you could say, look, you're, you're coming on your show might be a fun chat, but I get nothing out of it. Whatever. Hey, no problem. No problem at all. Just just tell me no. Just tell me you're not interested. I'd rather do that than go through the trouble of preparing for an episode that will never happen. And I say the list is up to seven, but I think it might be more. I may be omitting people. And the thing that really creams my corn, grinds my gears, 
whatever expression you want to use. Two of these people that are on the list are doing other shows. And it's not it's not Alex show or Darren's show. Two of them are doing other shows. So again, just just tell me no. Just tell me just tell me no. But two of these guys have said yes. Well, seven of them said yes, and now two of them are appearing on other shows. And again, I just tell me no. You can do a hundred shows. It doesn't matter. But you're telling me yes, I do the prep work and now I hear you're going on other shows. It's just it's it's really just annoying it, it, more than anything. After you put in the work, you do the research, it's it's just annoying. And, and to be honest with you, that, that takes a lot of the fun out of doing the show. But it's that's nothing new. This is not a new thing. It's something that I've dealt with since I started the show. And you just kind of push on. And what happens is a guy will tell me he'll come on. I'll do the research. He'll ghost me. I move on to the next guy. The next guy is an amazing guest, and I kind of just put it out of my head because I just had a great interview with this player, and it was fucking awesome. So I kind of put it out of my mind. But sometimes, you know, you run into a dry spell. Darren has spoken about it. Alec has spoken about it. I've spoken about it. And when you're running, you know, into dead end after dead end, then it kind of you kind of think back, yeah, well, if I would have got this guy or I would have got that guy. But again. I, I guess the, the the message I'm trying to convey is this. To all the players who I have asked to come on the show, I appreciate it. I appreciate you answering me. I appreciate those who have come on and given me their time. <laughs> Some guys an insane amount of time. And I appreciate the guys who have said no right from the beginning. So thank you. I, I, I don't know if this is coming off as sour grapes. I don't really want it to be. I just want to kind of let let you behind the curtain a little bit of what goes into doing a show like this. So um, going forward, hey, folks, if if you're listening to the show and I ask you to be a guest and you're you're kind of on the fence, just tell me no. It's cool. It's, it's really cool. Um, so that coupled with the fact that now I am back at work and now I am working in – I'm back at work in the city. I live on Long Island. So a regular eight-hour workday with travel, waiting for trains, this and that. It, it eight-hour workday becomes a twelve-hour workday, and that's you know even the even even Rob Gronkowski can do that math. There's twenty-four hours in a day, and if I got to spend twelve of it commuting to and from work and working, even Gronk will know that's half. Well, maybe someone will have to tell him that's half the day. Um, so that is a lot of time that I don't have to dedicate to this show. And the, the thing when I was not working, I could stick to that every Monday schedule, like clockwork, maybe every now and then it was a Tuesday. Um, but I could kind of stick to that schedule and I was happy to do so. And, uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore. So this is not a goodbye. It, it isn't. I'm still doing the show. Um, as I said earlier, I'm not a big fan of the solo of my solo episodes. That's the irony, because I love people uh, people who do shows, whether it's a podcast or um, you know behind a paywall that have get. I I love other people's solo programs. I'm just not a fan of my own. Um, I don't re- you know to do the um, the seasons episodes. 
that I was doing, a lot of work goes into that. And you know what I was finding when I was thinking about, well, who could I do next? I end, I was thinking about doing guys who had not, who maybe were going to come on uh, and ghosted me. And then I'm like, well, why would I even bother doing that? Uh, you know, so, and, and, and it really, as simple as the episodes end up being, whether it's an hour, hour and 20 minutes or whatever it is, they take a long time to do. If I want to do them right and I want to get the information right, uh, you know, I'm watching the fights three or four times. I'm constantly stopping, starting, rewinding. Those those episodes take a long time. And if and and you know what? As far as fight episodes go, solo episodes, guys like Darren and Alec will will cover more than I can because they they follow the whole league. And I mean, Darren Darren doesn't follow the whole league, but he's he takes notes. He's uh, both of them, I'm sure. Uh, as things are on Twitter, they're taking notes. Um, I had no idea about all the bullshit PK Subban's been doing this year with his slew footing and his dirty shit and then not obliging guys when they want to kick his ass until I listen to their shows. I don't follow it enough. So my solo episodes are going to, it's going to be holes, holes, holes. So solo episodes involving enforcers, those guys' shows are, are what you want to listen to. Now I can do shows like I'm doing today where I talk about the Islanders in general, but there are shows there are shows like that already. I I I finally found one that I enjoy. Um, I, I I've, I've listened to a handful of Islander current Islander theme shows. I found two that are listenable, but to be honest with you, there again, it's a host. It's two shows with two hosts, and what would be great is if I could take one host from one. Pair them with the, uh, the one of the hosts from the other. I think that would be the best Islander show out there. Uh, not really a fan of the, the co-hosts or the other hosts on these shows. If I could get um, one host from each of those shows, I think it would be the best Islander show going. Um, but that's not why you're here. You're not here for me, you know, for me to talk to you about the non-fight, the non-Islander fight stuff. You have many other options for that. So I don't want to do that kind of show either. Um, you started listening to the show for the Islander fight coverage and for the interviews, and that's what I want to give you. So what I'm going to do going forward is this. Um, hold on. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. What I want to do going forward is this. I'm going to pick a guest out of the uh, the list that I have, and I'm going to reach out to that guest. And... Um, see what happens. And if I don't hear back right away, I'm just going to move on. And once I have a guest secured uh, in my spare time, I will do the research. And I want to bring you the quality of interview that you've come to expect from this program. Um, you know, I know I've said it a bunch of times and, and I keep going back to Darren and Alex. I think we're in the, we're in the same boat here as far as the mom and pop level. Um, you know, we work our asses off for these interviews and, I know I've said it, Darren has said it, and Alec has said it. You can take um, you can take a player that we've had on our shows and, and players that have done other interviews on other shows, even if that show has millions of listeners, and I will put my interview up against any one of those interviews, okay? Um, that's just the way it is. That's how confident I am in uh, 
in my interviews because of the research I do. And I feel the, uh, the guest and I have a pretty good rapport. Even if it's someone I've never met, we just seem to hit it off. So I'll put my interviews up against anyone's interviews. And I know that Darren and Alec feel the same way. So I don't want to half-ass it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put a pro if you're going to take the time to tune into this show, I am not going to half-ass interview people and I'm not going to put out a shitty product. So if it means that in a five-week month, you got five episodes. In a four-week month, you got four episodes. And now with me going back to work, maybe you're going to get two. Uh, I apologize for that in advance, but I don't want the, – the, the quantity may decline, but I do not want the quality to decline in any way, shape, or form. So it may take me a little longer to do the research, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. It's really just kind of letting you know where the show is going. And, you know, shit happens. I mean, life happens. What does uh, Ferris Bueller say? Life comes at you fast. Life comes at you fast. And this is my current situation. And you never know what, what uh, lies ahead for me and any situation. So at some point, maybe I'm able to get back to once a week episodes. But for the time being, I just don't want you to... Um, if, if you don't see me posting about an upcoming episode, I'm not going anywhere. I and listen, I can't go anywhere. Trevor Gillies and I really need to finish our anthology. Is that what it would be? Whatever, whatever word you want to use, Trevor Gillies and I really need to hook back up because we are, if you think about it, we're probably only halfway through his amazing career. So, I cannot shut the doors on this program until at least Gills and I finish that up. There's no way that I could um, I could shut the doors on this before we complete the Trevor Gilly saga. So uh, I'm not going anywhere. I just wanted to kind of uh, bring you folks up to speed on uh, on what's going to happen here. So um, I apologize if if you're one of the dozens of people who list, who look forward to my weekly episodes. Uh, actually, I don't know how many people listen. Um, I have no idea. But um, if you're someone that really enjoys the content and likes the once-a-week episodes, then I do apologize. They will be somewhat less frequent. But uh, I, I'm not going to sacrifice the quality that I have come to expect from myself and that hopefully you have come to expect from me. So, um, so that's basically it. It's, it's not gloom and doom. It's really more of, uh, you know, please be patient and, uh, I'm going to continue to do this. And, you know, I know that you're not, you're not tuning in to listen to me. So that's, that's, this show is not going to start. This show is not going to be that, uh, I'm, I want, I know you want to hear the players and I want to hear the players. So, um, so that's it. I mean, I don't think I have anything else. Uh, for you, just um, please be patient as um, as the situation is is ever evolving. And uh, but I'm not going anywhere. Um, as I've said now, 17 fucking times in the last minute and a half. And uh, just uh, just keep an eye out. You know, like I said, check the social media because I'm always going to post uh, when an episode is coming up. Check the social media feeds, and uh, and you'll find out more there. But um, you know, sometimes real life affects things. And, um, in, in this instance, real life is affecting it. 
Uh, I'm still practicing to win the lottery. I've been doing that for a long time now. Uh, they say practice makes perfect. Maybe one day I will win. Uh, and, uh, and then I could do this full time. But um, until then, I have to, uh, I have to work, ar- work around real life. And, uh, and that's what's going to happen. So, uh, so just stay tuned. Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. Not going anywhere because you needed to hear it again. So, although this is not the usual episode, if you liked what you heard today, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you are listening to this show on. And if you have a moment, please like, rate, and review the show. It will give the show greater visibility and help grow the show to a larger audience. And with that, everybody, to my American listeners, today is the 23rd. Tomorrow, Thanksgiving, I hope that everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving. And if I could give everybody one piece of advice for tomorrow, before you watch the Bills beat the Saints, hopefully, when you're at the dinner table with your family, put the phones away and uh, and just talk. Uh, everybody's been through a lot the last year and a half. Maybe, uh, maybe get to know your family members again. Again, nobody likes, why am I giving you advice? You know, uh, and, uh, hopefully when you do talk, you will not talk about politics and you will not talk about vaccines and you will not talk about COVID. And uh, I think if you, if you just use that as a guideline, you will probably have a pretty good Thanksgiving. So until we meet again, you people, everybody out there, please stay safe.